Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Dylan Stone, and I'm in sixth grade at St. Stephen's Episcopal School. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. Reigning God, we have viewed the work of your hands. Where there is justice for the oppressed, we sense your presence. Where the hungry are fed, we know the providers are working with you. You set prisoners free and open the eyes of the blind. You lift up those who are bowed down and sustain the righteousness with your love. We worship a God who is living and active. We give thanks that you call us to join the action to love you and one another more than the rituals of our religion or the satisfaction of our success. Focus us now on all that is worthy of our praise. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
in body or spirit, please stand for the responsive call to worship found on page three of your bulletin. Listen and hear, all you people of the book, there is one God who created all time and space. You shall love God with all your heart and soul. You shall honor God with all your mind and strength. A second commandment is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let us worship God.
gracious is our Lord and who is righteous and our God is merciful. The Lord protects the simple when we are brought low, God saves us. Let us pray our confession to that God together. We have not kept faith with you, righteous God. There are so many distractions that occupy our time. There are so many groups to claim our loyalty. There are so many activities that bid for our attention. Even the church involves us in busyness that keeps us from matters of greater importance. In these moments, we seek to know you and to be known by you, that in an honest exchange, our relationship with you and with the people around us might be strengthened. In your name and joining with you, we seek justice for the oppressed, food for the hungry, and healing for all. Amen. The Lord forgives all our sins. The Lord heals all our diseases. The Lord redeems our life from the pit. The Lord crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, I would like to invite all the children to come forward for a special time with Miss Carol. And I would like to invite all the rest of you to greet one another in Christ's name.
This is such an exciting time that we have these costumes down here for this very special day. And I wonder if we're going to have someone else that might be joining us. I can't, wait, what, wait, what? Oh. Dogs. I really? Uh, Miss Carol. Miss Carol. And so am I mean? No. Aw. I'm not mean. <laughs> but in, oh, come on up. Come on, Caroline. Come on up, William. Come on up here. Have a seat. You like my puppy? Her wings. Have a seat. Have a seat. So at Halloween, it's really fun to get dressed up and be characters. We can be superheroes, or we can be really mean guys. We can do magic, right? Who are you? Harry Potter. Oh, really? You could be what? A bounty hunter. Ooh. <laughs> what are you? I'm Moses. Oh. <gasps> Look at you, Alyssa. What are you? Wonder Woman. Right. I see a scarecrow. You're a scarecrow? You're going to fold me. <laughs> well, um, here's what I do know. We can, we can get dressed up for Halloween, and we can be creepy and superheroes and, f and silly guys, but you know what the best part of Halloween is? Is that doesn't scare Jesus at all. Jesus knows our heart and he knows our thoughts underneath all of our costumes and all of the silly ways we act, even when we're mean and scary. Jesus knows our heart. And you know what? That doesn't scare him a bit. Nope. <laughs> all right, will you pray with me? Let's set down the puppy. Dear God, thank you for um, how much you love us, the fact that you know our heart even when we wear scary costumes or silly costumes, you know everything about us, and you made us special just the way we are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Moses, will you lead us out? Yes. Followers of God, follow me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that was something else, wasn't it, huh? All right. Love that, yeah. I can't wait to go out tonight for trick-or-treat because I'm dressing up as the Grim Reaper. Uh, and uh, it's welcome to all you Michigan State fans because I always know it's perfect attendance for you on the Sunday after you beat Michigan. So um, we're so grateful that you're here for your one Sunday a year. So we're... <laughs> Uh, and do not take any hints that this green has anything to do with Michigan State. I just want you to know that. So let us move off that quickly and head over to last Wednesday, the chili cook-off. We have been uh, telling you about the chili cook-off. Yes, we had a great evening. We had 31 pots of chili. We had over 200 people, I think, that were there to test the chili. And we had champions, and we had runners-up, and we had third place, and we cornered the market on Rolaids. It was all wonderful. But uh, what was so great about that and is so exciting is just the uh, fellowship that we were able to enjoy during our chili cook-off and the opportunity for people to be together and uh, to see one another and have the chance to experience what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. That's Dave Bossman who uh, won the award and so we're grateful for that. And uh, so we encourage you to, uh, there's Mengi running around. Um, <laughs> And uh, so we encourage you to keep that in your mind. Uh, come and join us for a wonderful chili cook-off next year. It's an annual event here at Church of the Palms. Uh, lots of things that make mention of for you. Uh, we have a new members class coming up right after this uh, service over in the chapel. If you'd like to learn more about membership here at Church of the Palms, we'd love to have you come and join us for that. You can sign up to sponsor a family that is being supported by the Salvation Army. The Angel Tree uh, opportunity begins uh, even now. You can sign up on our website and uh, support a family during the holiday season, during Christmas time. We invite you to uh, put on your schedules this coming Friday. Friday, our Tazay service over in the chapel, November the 5th at 6.30, a wonderful opportunity of great reflective and meditative worship. Uh, Rise Against Hunger is on November the 10th at 7 o'clock, and that's an opportunity for all generations to come together to uh, support this effort, to support families that are in need of food. We will be packaging 10,000 meals over the course of about an hour or so. So we'd love to have you come and join us at any age is welcome. Daylight savings time. The clocks change next Sunday. Move back, fall back gain an extra hour of sleep, hallelujah, so we're grateful for that. And we are so glad to have Natalie Carrion with us today from this music conservatory, so thank you so much for your great gifts. Natalie is a member of Church of the Palms and has been a part of our church family for, for many years. And we want you to put also on your calendar November the 14th, that is our homecoming Sunday. That's just two weeks from today. And it will be a chance again, kind of like the chili cook-off for the whole family of God to come back together again to enjoy some great food and fellowship out underneath the courtyard. And uh, we'd love to show you this video as a way to jog your mind about who are you going to invite from Church of the Palms family or otherwise to come and be a part of that great festivity? So let's hear uh, a little bit from uh, Matt Liddell and his great video production crew. 
The memories of my homes are climbing on mango trees and guava trees and picking ripened guava and throwing at my friends, especially the boys on their backs and getting in trouble with my mother <laughs> and waking up to the smell of my mother's coffee every morning and my father listening to BBC radio as he was sweeping around the house. And also some of my memories are singing hymns. My family worship, um, have family worship every evening after dinners. If I start singing, people would be crying, so I won't. First of all, lots of trees, just like when, where I grew up. The climate, as I said earlier, is very hot. It's actually only two degrees different from where I grew up. I mean, Sarasota is. And the campus itself has lots of trees and lots of children, preschool and Sunday morning children. And most of all, we sing hymns, the same sort of hymns that I grew up singing in the evenings at home with my family. God of Grace, God of Glory is my favorite, one of my favorite hymns. It's, I don't even remember when was the first time I heard it. I must have been an infant. There are lots of people who are very kind and very willing to step out and help and eat together. You know, I'm an Asian and eating is our favorite spots. So <laughs> Church of the Palms does a lot of fellowship and eating together. So we are truly a community. No, actually we are more like a family here. It's, it's a large church, over 2,000 people, but it feels like a home, a family of perhaps like 12 or 15 people. The culture is so warm and friendly, and I love that about Church of the Palms. Makes me feel at home. We do look forward to welcoming everybody home for homecoming, especially this year as we have been so apart from each other for so long. So hopefully you'll invite someone to join us in that big day. And we are delighted to uh, invite Connor Peters and Alex Vefeas. Uh, Connor is, of course, our Director of Family and Student Ministry, and Alex Vefeas is a senior and just keeps getting taller and taller. So, Connor. Good morning. It's so great to see all of you all this morning. Uh, I just want to share, uh, at the end of each month, uh, you'll see myself with one of our students, who will just kind of like to give you an update on all of the happenings in family ministry, what we've been up to, maybe one or two exciting things that we have coming up. Uh, so I'll get to share a little bit about children's ministry and what Carol has been up to with her team, and then Alex is going to get to share a little bit about what we've been doing uh, with our middle and high school students. So when it comes to our children, uh, children's ministry kicked off with a, with a super fun event. It was a family fun night, and that is not the exact picture from our family fun night, but it was an, it was an opportunity for all of our little children uh, to be able to come together, carve pumpkins as families. There was pumpkin painting. We had a pumpkin patch outside, and uh, so we had probably about a dozen children families join us for that, and that was just a whole lot of fun. It was just an opportunity for everyone to hang out with one another and uh, really kind of celebrate the kickoff of fall, and then 
all the way back at the beginning of this month, our third graders got to receive their third grade Bibles, which is always a monumental occasion uh, that we always love getting to celebrate each year. And those same third graders have been spending uh, the past Sunday mornings of this month, and they'll wrap up this morning actually, uh, learning what it means to read through the Bible and uh, how to use their own Bible. So that's always exciting for our third graders. And then the rest of the children have gotten to adopt... Uh, Bible Buddies. It's something that uh, we kicked off in the spring with hedgehogs. This uh, this year, they are frogs, and the frog stands for fully rely on God. They thankfully are not real frogs. We are not sending our children families home with, with live tree frogs or toads. Um, they are those uh, cute little stuffed animals, and the children get to read to them uh, during the week. They get to read from their Bible to their little Bible buddy, their frog, during the week. And then our children's ministry also has our annual homeless uh, sleepover that is coming up, and that is going um, to be coming up the weekend before Thanksgiving, the Saturday night before Thanksgiving, and registration is on our website for that. That will be for uh, specifically fourth and fifth graders, and that is going to be an opportunity for them to uh, spend the night here at the church. They will get to learn about what homelessness looks like in Sarasota County and in this area, and then they will also get to uh, shop for some different families at some point in the evening, and then, of course, they will get to set up um, their own um, houses right here in our courtyard, and they will um, spend the night in our courtyard. We'll have security as well to make sure everybody stays safe. But when you arrive to church on that Sunday morning, you'll see all of their little houses that they built and that they spent the night in. So that'll be a, a, a wonderful event. I'm going to pass this on to Alex, and he's going to share a little bit about what our students have been up to. Good morning. So in student ministry, we've had a lot of fun and exciting things happening. Uh, the first thing is we have a new game room in PC12 over in the Palm Center. So this includes ping pong, uh, foosball, arcade games, and some other like gaming systems with a TV. Uh, and then this fall, we've had our fall retreat. We traveled with 19 students to Stark, Florida. This was both middle and a high school retreat. And we just got to worship together and find better ways to incorporate God into our daily lives. One of my favorite parts of this trip was the prayer walk that we took. It was kind of a nice silent time to really connect with God in nature. And then, like Pastor Steve said, coming up on Wednesday, November 10th, we have our annual Rise Against Hunger event. So our goal this year is to pack over 15,000 meals, which sounds like a lot, but if we all go, it'll be easy, no problem. So you can sign up on the Family Ministry page of our website, and it is completely free to go, and we'd love to see you there. Thank you, church. Built on nothing left. 
thanks to Beth Hill, who is directing our choir this day, and Genevieve is up in the University of Toronto visiting her daughter Daphne over the weekend. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, on this All Hallows Eve, this Eve of All Saints Day when ghosts and goblins roam our neighborhoods and jack-o'-lanterns smile their fiery grins and fright reigns in the night. We give you thanks this day that with all that might strike terror in our hearts, real or make-believe, that in bowing our heads we give obeisance to the one who reigns above all spirits. That though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. 
one little word. And what might that word be? Is it the name Jesus, O God? Is it the name above all names? Is it the name of the one whose light shines in the darkness, the one who casts out demons and chases the tempter away? One little word. Is it your holy word found within the pages of Scripture, the word that tells us that it was your spirit who hovered over the depths of chaos and brought order out of the void and brought life out of the emptiness and brought day out of the night? Your word which said that all that you created was good and is good and will always be good. One little word. Is it the word made flesh which dwelt among us full of grace and truth? Is it your word who was born in the stable and laid in the manger? Is it your word who was in the beginning with you through which all things were made? Is it your word who taught and healed and forgave and loved and accepted and welcomed and prayed and called disciples to proclaim the kingdom? Or is it the word of your spirit, O God, dwelling within us, waiting for our mouths to open to speak truth, to speak grace, to speak love, to speak kindness, to speak faithfulness, to speak boldly? Is it your word that is within our power to utter toward those devils that threaten to undo the prince of darkness grim? We confess to you, O God, how possessed we allow ourselves to be by the spirits of this world, by the dangers of our time, by the powers that threaten, by the change that unnerves. We confess that we have failed to claim the helper amid the flood of mortal ills. We have ceded ground to the enemy. We have lost hope that God will prevail and that the mighty fortress will not fall. O oh Lord, give us the word again. Give us the word above all words, the name above all names. Give us the word that is stirring inside. Give us that word that is full of grace and truth, that word that sets the captives free and recovers sight for the blind. Give us that little word that shall fell the prince of darkness. Give us that little word that brings light to the shadows and salt to the earth and hope for the downtrodden. Open our mouths, O Lord, loosen our tongues, and push up from our souls your one little word. For we pray it in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, our moment of gratitude allows us just a few minutes to reflect on all we have been given. If we are being intentional, our energy and our resources are claimed by whatever is most important to us. And if God is at the center of our lives, it will be reflected in how we spend our time and how we give. God has riched, richly blessed us, and we have the opportunity to extend blessing to others.
There are many ways you can support our shared ministry here at Church of the Palms. There are baskets as you leave, and there are a number of ways you can find in your bulletin in which you can give. Let us be intentional, and let us give generously.
Let us pray. Receive from us, O God, the best we have to give. All we have, even the very breath in our lungs, comes from you. We return a portion of what we've been given with grateful joy. We do so knowing that you can take what we offer and make it more. Make it enough to change lives. Make it enough to change the world. Father, we bring ourselves as well to be blessed by you so that while we are apart, our words and our deeds might continue to be an offering. May we praise you with all of our lives. Amen. You may be seated. 
Our scripture passage for today comes from the first chapter of Ruth, the only book in the Bible to be named after a foreign woman. Ruth is also one of only four women who are listed in the genealogy of Jesus that you can find at the beginning of Matthew. The book of Ruth opens with a crisis, famine, displacement, barrenness, and death. Because of a famine, Naomi, her husband, and their two sons left their home in Bethlehem, and they traveled to Moab in search of food. For an Israelite audience, Moab would have had negative moral and emotional overtones. It had incestuous beginnings, and most Israelite encounters with Moabites were either shameful or hostile. While living in Moab, the sons married two local daughters. Neither Ruth nor Orpah were able to have children, which we know was the key to economic stability in those times. Over some time, Naomi's husband died, and then her two sons died. This is a bleak situation for women. Without a husband or a son, they are completely destitute in the socioeconomical framework of that time. We pick up the story today in verse 6. Hear now the word of God. Then Naomi started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah, But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then Naomi kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more better for me than for you, because the Lord, the hand of the Lord, has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So Naomi said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. And may the Lord do thus and so to me and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. The second scripture passage comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he he asked Jesus, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, 
The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O God, to the word just read and the words to come that they might point to you, the word made flesh, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Rabbi, tell me why I should go on living. These words were spoken to Rabbi Harold Kushner years ago. Surprisingly, they didn't come from a woman whose husband had died or had left the marriage, or from one who was grieving the loss of a child or a meaningful job or even someone who had received a devastating diagnosis. Rather, she was a woman in her 50s who felt as though she had already experienced all the nice things that life was going to happen to her, and she had nothing to look forward to. In other words, she sounded bored. What Naomi wouldn't do to trade places with this woman Many of us here would trade places with a person in her 50s who has her health, her marriage, her children doing well in college, and even she has no financial concerns. This isn't Naomi's story, and it's probably not your story either. Naomi was in a foreign land as a widow, which is sad but bearable because she had her two sons and their wives to take care of her. But then the unthinkable happened. The sons both died. Some commentators have called Naomi a female Job. Widows, along with orphans and immigrants, were among the most vulnerable people in Bible times. It was a man's world. Like kids today, women were minors in a court of law. Women were also the property of men, fathers, husbands, or sons. So women generally weren't allowed to own property or conduct business. They weren't considered capable of that, since their education was typically limited to household manners, such as cooking, sewing, and hauling water, which meant that widows with no one to look after them often became destitute. Some begged on street corners, others turned to prostitution. Through no fault of her own, Naomi found herself in this situation. Can you imagine how Naomi felt? Hopeless, empty, and scared, I'm sure, but that quickly gave way to bitterness and anger. She shook her angry fist at God, for her life had become a great big trick with no treat in sight. I wonder if we can recall moments or seasons in our lives when you have felt some of what Naomi felt, those times when we ask the question, who am I when I am no longer who and what I was? I can, and let me tell you, there is no quick fix, no religious platitude or fancy prayer to make it all go away. But I can also tell you that God provides a way 
because God created us for shalom, for flourishing, for life abundant in God's good creation. In unpredictable ways, God can restore you, fill you, and give you hope. In Naomi's story, God provided Ruth. Ruth and Orpah, the daughters-in-law of the old widow Naomi, found themselves at one of life's crossroads, which they did not choose and for which they are unprepared. Naomi encouraged them to go back to their childhood homes so they could be among their people and find new husbands. Whatever path they chose would be life-altering for these young women. Life is made up of a series of life-defining moments, moments of loss, change, transformation, relationship, and survival. The way we deal with each of these moments determines who and what we really are, who and what we are intended to be, who and what we can become, both spiritually and socially. In an old Timotelic tale, a young fugitive was trying to hide from the enemy. The people from the small village were kind to him, and they offered him a place to stay. But when the soldiers came looking for the fugitive, they threatened to burn the village and kill every person in it, unless the man was handed over by dawn. Well, the rabbi withdrew to his room to read his Bible, hoping to find an answer for this grave situation. In the early morning, he read these words. It is better that one man dies than that the whole people be lost. The rabbi closed his Bible, and he then told the soldiers where the boy was hidden. After the soldiers led the fugitive away to be killed, there was a feast in the village because the rabbi had saved the lives of all those people. But the rabbi did not celebrate. Overcome with a deep sadness, he remained in his room. That night, an angel came to him and said, what have you done? He said, I handed over the fugitive to the enemy. The angel replied, but don't you know that you've handed over the Messiah. In anguish, the rabbi asked, how could I know? The angel said, if, instead of reading your Bible, you had visited this young man just once and looked into his eyes, you would have known. Perhaps Ruth saw the face of God in Naomi because a daughter-in-law was neither legally required nor customarily expected to remain with the mother of her deceased husband. Furthermore, as Moabites in the Jewish city of Bethlehem, race and religion would marginalize these young women forever. Orpah actually did the sensible thing to go back home. Ruth's declaration of solidarity with Naomi must be understood as an act of hesed. H-E-S-E-D, hesed. This Hebrew word is often expressed as loving kindness, covenant faithfulness, or steadfast love, but it is so much more. Hesed has been called the defining characteristic of God. Michael Card defines hesed this way, when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me everything. 
And then he goes on to tell this story. I want to tell you about the night I killed Dead Morris. These were the haunting words spoken by Tommy Pagage in his court-mandated appearance at the Mothers Against Drunk Drivers meeting. Standing in the back of the gym was Elizabeth Morris, Ted's grieving mother. In time, she would find it in herself not simply to forgive, but to unofficially adopt the young man who had collided with her son while driving drunk on Christmas Eve. Her husband, Frank, a part-time preacher and a driver for UPS, would baptize Tommy with his own hands. Years later, Tommy still called his new parents every day between 4 and 5 p.m. Though Tommy had no right to expect anything from them, Ted's parents opened the doors of their life to Tommy. In the process, everything changed. God's has said will redeem us in ways we can't imagine. Hesed is frequently used to describe God's acts of unmerited grace and mercy, like how he sent his only son to redeem the world. But humans are capable to do a version of it as well. It's like the women's college softball playoff game where Sarah Tikolsky of Western Oregon University hit her very first collegiate home run. It was a three-run homer right over center field. As she rounded first base, she missed the bag, but when she turned back to tag it, she collapsed with a knee injury. She crawled to first base, but she could do no more. The first base coach said she'd be called out if her teammates helped her. The umpire added that a pinch runner can be brought in, but then her home run would only count as a single. This was when the members of the opposing team, Central Washington University, did the unthinkable. The first baseman and the shortstop put their arms under Tokolsky's legs and they carried her around the bases, stopping to let Tokolsky put her uninjured leg down on every base. The rules said nothing about the opposing team doing an act of kindness. Well, this three-run homer counted, which contributed to the elimination of Central Washington from the playoffs. Above and beyond kindness, Hesed. In effect, Ruth looked into Naomi's eyes and she saw the face of God the one we would go above and beyond to forgive and love, the one we would carry around the bases, the neighbor we are called to love as ourselves. Now, I think I would do a disservice to God and to each of us if I characterized Hesed as so grandiose, so difficult to attain that we don't even try. My heart would be well if we all left here encouraged to do simple kindness for one another and for our neighbor, always open, of course, for God to empower us to do more. Simple kindness like lasagna love. A friend of mine from the 10 o'clock service told me about this organization that is connecting neighbors with neighbors through homemade meal delivery. In the process, they also try to eliminate the stigma associated with asking for help, especially when it's so needed. 
This grassroots organization does more than feed families. It spreads kindness and strengthens communities. Their mission helps address the incredible rise in food insecurity among families and also provides simple acts of love and kindness during a time that is full of uncertainty and loss. Naomi and Ruth's lives are stressful and uncertain. They have experienced great loss, and yet loss, once reckoned, once absorbed, once grieved, can be a precious gift. No, I cannot be what I was before, but I can be, I must be, something new. Somehow, because of this loss, I am better able to love our God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is now more of God in me. I discover in emptiness more than I have ever known in what I once took to be fullness. The truth of loss is a freeing one, realizing that it takes time to see the hand of God in the depths of darkness. All loss is the grave of something we have loved, this person, this path, this place, that then calls forth the resurrection of the self. God has said, will redeem us in ways we cannot imagine. Because we live in a world that is filled with tricks and treats, I was encouraged by a poem I read called Kindness by Naomi Shiab Nye. Years ago, Naomi and her husband were on their honeymoon in South America where they had planned to travel for three months. At the end of their first week, they had the traumatic experience of being robbed and witnessing the murder of an Indian on their bus. Without passports or money, they were unsure of where to go or even who to talk to. In this desperate time, a man approached them and was simply kind. Seeing their distress, he asked in Spanish, what happened to you? They tried to tell him, and he listened to them, and he looked so sad. He said to them again in Spanish, I'm very sorry. Lo siento mucho. I'm so very, very sorry that happened. And then he went on his way. Naomi's husband left to hitchhike to a larger city to see about getting their traveler's checks reinstated, and she sat down in a little plaza all by herself. While waiting, the poem called Kindness came to her. You can follow along in the insert if that is helpful for you to see it, or you can just listen as I read this poem. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate this, the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. 
But before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead on the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Yes, before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. Perhaps our scripture passage today has reminded us how we are sometimes like Naomi and how we ought to be like Ruth. But most of all, I hope we remember that God's Hesed will redeem us all in ways we cannot imagine. And sometimes God uses us to be the Hesed for someone else.
friends, my hope this week is that God's hesed will come to you so that it can go through you and touch others. And now may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.